0: You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. Last week we heard some pretty bold statements from Solomon. In fact, I'm kind of glad that some of you came back this week because after last week, I mean, that was pretty discouraging a little bit. I mean, I gave you a little relief at the end, but basically um, we learned that Solomon is the type of guy we don't want to invite over for dinner, right? Like he... He's like, all is vanity. It's all a big waste of time. Like Life is redundant and short and unsatisfying. And, and man, it, it sounded like the guy was really, really pessimistic. But what he was doing is he was trying to wake us up to the realities of vanity under the sun. If you just try to look at life under the sun, in this temporary life, you're going to be unsatisfied. And what I challenged you last week as Christians is what we have to do is we have to see beyond the sun. We have to look past this temporary life and see there is more um, and we won't find satisfaction in this life alone. And so I think he knew um, that, that he wouldn't just, we wouldn't just take his word for it in those first few verses. And so he's actually not done backing up his point. And so he's really going to lay it on thick here by saying, okay, if you don't believe what I just said based on nature, because last week he used the sun and, and rivers and all of it to show the redundancy of this life, He's like, if you don't believe me on that, then, then take my word for it. Um, I've been there and I've done that, and it wasn't satisfying. And so um, my, my title of my message is Take It From Me. I think that's kind of what Solomon is trying to get us to do today, to just take it from him. So let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be, to be in your word today and, and to walk through this together and to see the, the vanity of this life, but that there is more for Christians to see. And so I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, help for it to be clear and effective. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. So if we look at chapter one and verse 12, it's kind of where we'll pick up today. Um, we're going to see that Solomon, after he just showed us from nature, it was actually a poem last week. It was pretty cool. If you want to check out that message, it's on the podcast. I'm not saying the message is cool, but I'm saying the text was cool. Okay. But if we look at last week, we saw he kind of showed nature from nature, that life is redundant. This week he's going to show us from his own life. And, and here's what he kind of says. He's, he says, I launched this great experiment, okay? And I tried to see if there was anything on this earth that brought lasting meaning and satisfaction. So look at verse 12. He says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sword travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. So he's saying, I I launched this great experiment and I used my wisdom. And if you know the story of Solomon, he asked for wisdom and he was given supernatural wisdom from God more than any other man. And so he said, I'm gonna use my wisdom that I've gotten and I'm going to see everything that's done in this life under the sun. And I'm going to look for lasting satisfaction, lasting purpose. So this is kind of cool. Like we get to kind of sit back And watch this thing play out as he goes verse 14 I have seen all the works that are done under the Sun and behold all is vanity and vexation of spirit so he's saying look I use my wisdom I use my knowledge and and you got to understand that he had the best education available probably in the world at this time okay one of the most powerful guys in all the world at this time he said I used it all and I looked at everything I studied it all and it was all vexation of spirit now, I said last week that word vexation uh, from the Hebrew word could mean shepherding. It could mean grasping. It could mean chasing. And then the spirit has the idea of wind or something elusive. So, I mean, if you think shepherding cats is bad, try shepherding the wind, right? Like that's, that's what he's saying. It's, it's all of it. I looked at it all and it was all like chasing after the wind. Okay. Verse 15. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. And that which is wanting cannot be numbered. He's saying, look, I, I use my wisdom and knowledge, and I tried to take the things in this life that are bent, that are broken, and I tried to straighten them out with my knowledge and my wisdom. And he said, it's, it's useless. You can't make them straight. And then he said, I tried to figure out the deep questions of life, and, and I couldn't figure it out. There's some things you just can't account for. Like, why is it that the parking spot that you want is always taken? Like, you just, you can't do the math to figure that out. Why is it that the day you leave without your umbrella, it rains, right? Like, there's just certain things in this broken world that are frustrating, and we really can't figure them out. That's kind of what he's saying. And then in verse 16, he says, I commune with mine own heart. So he's talking to himself now. We all do that. So like, he's not that crazy, right? I commune with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate. And have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. So he's saying, I, I had more wisdom and knowledge than anyone else. And he's not bragging here. It's a, it's a fact. It's a biblical fact. Like God gave him this. In verse 17. And I gave my heart to no wisdom, and to no madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge... Increases sorrow, So he's almost saying ignorance is bliss. You know the people who say that? Like they're kind of right. Because the more you study, the more you know, the more you figure out, the more you're kind of discouraged by this world. And, and it brings us back to Genesis 3 when sin entered and the wor- this world is broken now. And he's saying the more you use your wisdom and knowledge, the more you're going to be discouraged. And so now we move into chapter 2. Chapter 2 verse 1. Um, he first shows us. The vanity of self-indulgence. And so in verse one, it says this. I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Mirth is just gladness, joy, pleasure. There, therefore, enjoy pleasure and behold, this also is vanity. So he said, I'm going to, I'm going to test out pleasure. I'm going to really take pleasure. And he's like, it was empty. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? Verse three, I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what that what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. So he's saying, look, I tried the comedy club, I tried wine, I tried pleasure, I tried it all, and, and he's like, I mean, I just indulged myself. And so some of you may be thinking, okay, he partied, but did he party, right? Like, did he really party? And to give you a little idea, Like this guy, you have to understand, um, I've said this before, but silver, when he was king, silver was as common in the kingdom as stone, the Bible says. Like his utensils were made out of like fine, fine gold and silver and things like that. And so this guy had it all. Like, so, so your little 4th of July barbecue that you're planning this week, like that's preschool compared to him. Like, like he's looking at that and he's like, give me a break, right? Like I'm feeding thousands of people. Like I'm having the greatest parties ever. Like I really indulge myself with this pleasure. And, and I love what uh, Matt Chandler says about this. Eventually, Solomon got tired of waking up in the back of a chariot on his way to Mexico with a new tattoo. Right? So, so like he's doing the party thing, and man, he's partying. Like he's really going after it. He says, I gave myself to this stuff. Like I tried out laughter. I tried it. I tried out wine. Man, I, I tested all the different wines, and I, I tried it all. And he's like, man, it just was vanity. It was empty. It just did not last. And so he's going to move on to something else in verse 4. I made me great works. So he's like, I'm done with the party scene. I'm going to start building stuff, right? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply myself to something that, that, that matters, right? I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood that bringeth forth the trees. So to understand that Solomon was the guy that built the temple. That took him seven years, okay? So he's not building a chicken coop in, the, in his backyard, right? Like, this, these are some serious structures. His house took 14 years to build. So I know they didn't have the tools that, that we have today, but if you look at some of those ancient structures, you're kind of like, how do they do this? Like, so it, it was pretty immaculate stuff. Um, and, then, and then he goes on and he says, I started gardening. Now, I think we have a few gardeners in here, like Kurt, he's got a garden, but but if Solomon looked at your garden, he'd be like, again, preschool, like like gardening, uh, I planted a forest. And he's saying, in fact, my forest that I planted was so big that I had to make these big pools of water just to water the forest. Like, I don't think any of us have that trouble. Like, oh man, I'm gonna have to get a pool to water my garden. Like, that's how, that's how crazy this was. So he, he gives himself to this building thinking that maybe this is the key. Like the party scene, it didn't work. I thought that would work, didn't work. Maybe building stuff didn't work. It says it's all vanity. So verse 7, he, he tries a different route. Now, now he's going to kind of maybe settle down a little bit, live a life of ease. Verse 7, I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. Verse 8, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the, and the delights of the sons of men as all as musical instruments and of, that, of all sorts. So he says the party scene didn't work. The building scene didn't work. This time I'm just going to indulge myself in just relaxation and ease. I'm going to get servants. They're going to do whatever I need. I mean, they're going to wait on me hand and foot. If I need a back massage, I'm getting a back massage, right? Like if I need them to, to cut up my food in, in small little chunks so I don't have to chew it, they're going to cut up my food. Like, like anything he wanted, that, that, that's what he's trying to say. Like I did it all. He's like, I started collecting stuff. Like, okay, silver and gold, that's cool. But I started getting these treasures from these other kings and, and these peculiar treasures that were cool. And, and I started collecting them and I had all these collections of things and, and then he says, you know, when I heard a song that I really liked, I didn't download it on iTunes, I bought the band. I was like, okay, we're, hey guys, you're going to come to the palace, you're going to play for me now, you're mine. Like, he, he buys himself these bands, he brings them to the palace, and he has them play for him. So, so he's, he's just doing whatever he wants, like living a life of ease. And what does he say? He says, it was all vanity. It was all empty. Look at verse 9. So I was great and increase more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. So through all of this, he's still kind of taking a back seat. You know, during the party scene, when people are like running around, like getting crazy drunk, music playing, like his wisdom's still there. Like he's given himself to it, but he's still trying to look at it. Like, is there anything here? And, And I think that's a good thing for us to do every once in a while. Like on this treadmill of life, like maybe pause once in a while and ask yourself like, Why am I doing this? Like, what is the purpose behind this? Okay. And then he goes on in verse 10. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. Look, look at that. He said, I didn't withhold anything. If my eyes saw it and I liked it, I got it. Think about that. I said this last week, but he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So like a lot of guys today think that, that maybe sexual pleasure is going to do it. Solomon's like, no, that, that didn't do it. Like he didn't have any want in that area. Like anything he needed, he had, didn't, didn't satisfy said it was all vanity. He built himself these great works, all vanity, and and, and that's what he's trying to get us to see, okay? So first he lived a life of self-indulgence, and he says it it didn't last. It didn't last, and and that kind of fits with the American dream, right? Like that's kind of what we're chasing. All the stuff that he just listed is what we often try to chase, and he's saying stop. It's like chasing the wind. Stop chasing it. It's not going to satisfy. Let's move on to the next category the vanity of wise living verse 12 and i turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly for what can the man do that cometh after the king even that which hath been done already then i saw that wisdom excelleth folly as far as light excelleth darkness the wise man's eyes are in his head but the fool walketh in darkness and i myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all so he's like yeah so I realized that life of self indulgence, maybe that was a little immature, maybe it was a little stupid to try that. So I, so I'm gonna try to live live wisely and then use wisdom here and, and maybe wisdom I'll I'll find some meaning here. And he's like and I'll be honest, wisdom's a little better than foolishness. He's like Fools, fools are like running through a dark room, right? Like, like, like when a little kid, the, the lights are off and they just go running and like crash into something. You're like, why? Like the lights are off. Just wait a second. Like that's what he's saying. A fool living life is like running through a dark room. But then he's like, but really in the end, the same thing happens to all of us. He's like, I, I mean, the death is the great equalizer. He's like, like yeah, I, I'm wise and I lived wise, but in the end, I'm still going to die I'm going to be put in a box, and I'm going to be buried right next to the village idiot. Like, like it doesn't matter if I live a wise life. Like, in the end, it's not gain. Like, like that's what he's trying to tell us. He's trying to show us, like, death is coming for all of us. And unless we realize that, then we won't be able to live with things in perspective on this life. You know, one time I heard a song um, about loving your, your loved ones, those closest to you, and and um, I actually, I really liked it, and so I decided to listen to it while I was at work. We were allowed to have headphones, and I have no idea why, um, but this song just, like, really, really touched me at work. And I was, like, in the back, um, in the factory. Thankfully, nobody saw me, but I just, like, started weeping, like, thinking about what death would would cost me. Like, if I, if I had to say goodbye to Shannon, it was specifically Shannon, actually, because we had just got married, and I thought about losing her, and I thought about how death would separate and I was weeping at work like I I had to like look around and like go to the bathroom and I remember that night like when I came home like I always kiss my wife when I get home but like this was like a longer kiss like like close mouth don't worry closed mouth but this was a longer kiss and and uh and like that night I just remember like finding myself just like looking at her and just like just enjoying the moments you know what I mean like just slowing down because because death is coming and we don't like to think about it, but death is coming. And, and if we live like he's saying here, how often will we just 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 seize those moments that we have with our loved ones and just enjoy them? Like, stop, stop chasing for a second. Like, stop looking at what might come tomorrow and just just enjoy right now. And I just remember, like, I go to that often and I'll listen to that song and I'll just consider, like, the the privilege of having my wife. Like, what a joy! And and for those of you who have. Children or grandchildren that the privilege of just watching them run through the halls and play together and, and just be children. He's saying death's coming, and death is the great equalizer. Verse fifteen Then said I in my heart, As it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth to me, and why was I then more wise? So he's saying the fool dies, I die, why was I even wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity, this also is a puff of smoke it's just a vapor it's there and it's gone for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever seeing that which now is in days to come shall all be forgotten we talked about that last week i said how many remember your great 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 grandmother and nobody raised their hand and i'm like wasn't that long ago right like we all want to be remembered but solomon's like most of us some of us will be remembered but most of us are going to live our life on this earth we're going to die and nobody's going to remember us not even in our family. Like, like you would think like, oh, my great-grandkid. No, like we don't remember our great 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 grandmothers. like, that's what he's trying to say here. Therefore, I hated life, verse 17, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. So he said, self-indulgence, empty. And then he goes on and says, wise living because empty because we're all going to die, right? Like, what profit was it for me to live wisely? And then the last category, he looks at the vanity of hard work. In verse 18, he says, Yea, I hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And I love this. Verse 19, And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? <laughs> Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. He's saying, look, you put all this work in, right? Like you do everything you can with your investments. You get all your money in the right spot. You, you've got a house. You've got an inheritance for your kids. And, and you try to raise them up wisely. But really, like honestly, who knows if they're just going to be a fool with all your stuff. You're going to die. And they're, they're just going to squander your stuff. And then what, what's the purpose of it? It's all vanity think about your life and everything you accomplish and then think about dying and having a fool take it over like that's what he's trying to say and with Solomon this actually happened and I think as he was writing this I wonder he was looking at his son like man <laughs> like I'm building all this up and this guy is gonna take it like what's the point what's the point of all my labor In verse 20 Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. So you're going to work so hard and you're going to give to someone who didn't work for it. And then he says this, This also is vanity and a great evil. Like you can see he's almost getting more frustrated as he writes this. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun. For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also vanity. So what he's saying is, he's saying, I'm, I'm thinking this through, and I'm like, and remember that question he asked in chapter 1? He said, what gain is it, right, like of all the labor that we have under the sun? And then he kind of shows us there's no gain under the sun. There's no profit for this. And, and he's kind of playing this through and his own life, and he's saying, man, it's empty, it's vanity. And, and he's very frustrated to the point almost of depression, and he says, these people work so hard to build these, these great lives, and, and they can't even sleep at night because they know it's empty. They know it's vanity. They know that there's still something missing. This is like confessions of a workaholic here. He's like, I worked hard, I, I did what I could to build something great, but it's useless under the sun. That's what he's trying to get us to say. And here's the, So here's the scary part for us, and as I, I prayed for you this week and, and thought about this for you, this, this is what is, is terrifying to consider is the fact that we will never, ever have the resources that Solomon had. We will never, ever be able to accomplish all of our goals like he was able to do. We will never honestly be able to say, we've done it all, we've tried it all, we've experienced it all, we've studied it all. We can't say that. We don't have the capabilities to do that. Solomon did. And so my fear for us, my fear for you, is that you'll continue chasing, you'll continue running, you'll continue saying, if I just had this, then I'll be satisfied, and you'll end your life dead on the treadmill without contentment and satisfaction. see so, you see, you wonder... Why, like how often have you seen like a a Hollywood star or someone who's successful, they end their life or they do something crazy and you're like, man, if if I could just trade places with them, I'd be so much different. Like if I was one of those basketball players that made all that money, I would invest it, I'd be smart. But here's the thing, why is it that the most funniest guy in our generation, one of the most funniest guy kills himself, why is that? Why is it that a guy um, who's a famous rock star who gets all the awards, I mean, who writes these really deep rock songs. I mean, he, it seems like he's not just your average guy. Why does he end up killing himself? Why do these people who make it kill themselves? I think because they get to the place where Solomon is. They actually do accomplish their dreams. They actually do make a lot of money. They actually do experiment with all these pleasures. And they look at life without God under the sun, and they say, man, if this is all there is, I'm done. And my fear for us as common people, right, (laughs) ordinary people who maybe aren't going to live a life like Solomon lived is that we're just going to blindly chase until we die. Because let's be honest, none of us are going to make it to the point where we can say, yeah, I've done it all and it doesn't satisfy. And so we're just going to chase. So I want you to ask yourself, what are you chasing today? What if you think you could just plug that into your life would make you happy? What Solomon's is trying to get is he's trying to say, take it from me, guys. It's it's not gonna satisfy. You're, you're trying to chase the wind and you need to stop. That's what he's saying. So again, you're you probably like, man, like last week was really depressing. This week's almost more depressing. I'm not sure. Like, like what are you what are you getting at, Pastor? Like, what is this are you sure this should be in the Bible, right? Like, like, I don't know. But let's look at let's look at what he says in verse 24, because this is really the first hint of positivity in the entire book. Like last week, I actually had to give you a little bit of relief at the end by pointing you beyond the sun. Um, This week, he's going to, I think, give us a little bit of relief. Some people think he's still being cynical. I studied it out. and I think he honestly is trying to get us to see something here. Look at verse 24. There is nothing better for a man. So this is what he concludes after all this. There's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should also make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat, or who else can hasten hereunto more than I? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up, that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit." So so what is he saying here? Look at 24 again. He's saying, "I think that there's nothing better to do than to just eat, to drink, to enjoy your labor, to enjoy the things that God gives you and and to realize this is all from the hand of God and to stop chasing." And then he makes kind of an arrogant claim by saying those who aren't pleasing God with their lives are really just heaping up stuff to give to the people who please God with their lives, which as Christians, we get what he's saying a little bit there. Like as Christians, I talked about this a few weeks ago, we inherit the entire world. So, so like those who don't please God with faith, those who aren't his children, who haven't trusted Christ, are just storing up stuff to give to those who do please God. And remember, what pleases God? Only faith, because our works don't please him. Um, only faith in Jesus pleases him. So, so that's kind of what he's saying. And, and this is how I worded it for us today. Life is a gift meant to point us to the giver. I think that's what he's trying to get us to see here. He's saying, I I looked at it all, I did it all, I chased it all, I got it all, and I'm right back where I was when I started. So, So this is my advice to you, this is what he's telling us. Eat, drink, work hard, play hard, realize it's all from the hand of God and just enjoy it. That's what he's saying, learn to be content with the gifts understanding that they were given to you to point you to the giver. He says, recognize that this was from the hand of God. Okay, now this is what happens with us on this sin-cursed world, is that we take the gift and we turn a good thing and we turn it into an ultimate thing. And we ask the gift to do what only the giver can do. We worship the gifts of this life instead of the giver and we're unsatisfied. And this is why I always try to point you to this by, by, by telling you what Shane and I did when we first started dating. Like I told her right off the bat, I will never, ever, ever satisfy you. I will never wholly make you complete. Only Jesus can do that. There is a groove in your soul that only he can fill. And so please don't look to me for satisfaction. And I tell you all the time, money will not satisfy success. Will not satisfy. And when we look to those things, we're trying to make the gift do what only the giver can do. And so, what he's trying to say is look, we are all going to die. Death is the great equalizer. Stop looking at the things of this earth and trying to keep them. Because honestly, who on their way to the funeral in, in the hearse has a trailer behind it, right? We always say that. Who gets to have a U haul, right? And even, even the Egyptians who buried themselves with all their stuff, like, It's a waste of time, like grave robbers came in later and took it. He's saying, stop trying to grab onto this life and realize it's a gift. Stop chasing and enjoy it, understanding it's meant to point us to the giver. Listen, this is so, so freeing for us as Christians because our satisfaction is not tied to our stuff. I'm not saying stuff is bad. You can have stuff. Some of you have done great And your lives of being smart with your money, and and you've enjoyed some good stuff. That's great. What I'm saying is don't look to the stuff to bring satisfaction. Understand the stuff is a gift from God. And when that happens, we're not tied to our stuff. So we're not looking to our spouse for satisfaction because they can't bring us satisfaction, and we're not going to put this weight on them that they can never bear. We're not looking to our jobs for satisfaction because we know they'll never bring us satisfaction. We're not looking to food or pleasure or drink or any of it to bring us satisfaction because we know it won't. We look at them as a sign pointing us to the giver. I've said this before, but when you get to a destination, like you're going to Florida and you get to that sign and it said, Welcome to Florida. And you just like park there all week. Like, well, we're going to (laughs) park our trailer right here. We're here. Like, you're, you're trying to make the sign do something it's not meant to do. The sign is meant to point you to the, to the great destination that you just drove to. The same is true with all these things. They're signs. They point us to God. I was thinking today, especially um, because I live in an apartment uh, above Century 21. Jeff Babcock owns it, and he's got this sign that's lit up. It's got all this stuff on it, and it's cool. But again, that sign, if you go out there and stand at it, gets pretty old after a while. Like I've done it with my two-year-old niece, like cool, awesome, cool, are we done? Like no, she's not done, she wants to keep looking. And like that sign is meant to bring you into Jeff's office so he can get you a house, right? Like that's what the sign is meant to do. But if we try to get the sign to make something that it can't do, then it's not gonna satisfy. So this is what I want you to do today because this is a little bit of an abstract thought. So how do I bring it home, right, on Monday morning? What does it look like? This is what I want you to consider. I want you to honestly pause this week and I want you to live life to its fullest. I really, I really want you to pursue wholeness in Jesus, understanding that everything in life that's good comes from Him and even the things that are bad pass through His hand. And so He's not going to give us bad things um, that He created, but He will allow bad things into our life and understand, okay, this might be a tough time right now. I'm going to get through this, but look at the good this week. And take a step into wholeness. That's that's why the gospel is so great. Because Jesus came to restore us into what we were supposed to be in the beginning. So this week, I want you to consider this. Think about this. Water is wet. Think about that. Have you ever just stopped and thought about that? Like when you're washing your hands, like water is wet. Like God made water wet. Think about this. Cotton is soft. Like God made that cotton and it and it's soft. It's, It's cool. Strawberries are sweet. Steak is savory. Flowers smell good. I Seriously, I want you to pause this week. When you, when you look at that sunset, I want you to think, God made that. Uh, when you enjoy that moment with your spouse or your children this week, God gave us these, these children. God gave us the spouse. It's, it's from Him. It's, it's all to point back to Him and, and we could go on and on and on. Because if, if we don't, then we're chasing something that will never satisfy. God wants us to be content in what he's given us. And and as I was thinking about this idea of chasing the wind or grasping after the wind, I thought about a candle. In the middle of the winter, maybe you got the fireplace going, you got that that apple cinnamon candle or whatever your favorite flavor is, and, and it's lit and it smells great. And I want you to just imagine the difference between going to that candle and trying to keep that scent, Like trying to to take the smoke from that candle and trying to bottle it up or trying to put it in your pocket for later. Like, I want to get the most out of this candle smell. It smells so good. Like, I want to save this. Like, your spouse would be like, stop. Like, what are you doing, right? Like, that's crazy. Instead of just enjoying the candle. Listen, when we try to make this life more than it was meant to be, we try to make it game. We try to save as much as we can. We try to... Do all these Pilates to try to live as long as we can, even though we know we're gonna die. But we try to save all this money because we think maybe this will satisfy. We we'll try to do all this stuff because maybe he's saying stop. Just enjoy the candle. Like stop trying to bottle up the scent. Like just enjoy the candle. That's what he's trying to say. Like take these gifts that God has given you and allow it to point us to the Giver and be content. Man, laugh long work hard, smell, see, taste, and realize it's all from the hand of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom here from Solomon to understand that life is meant as a gift to point us to you. And Lord, I just pray that you'd give us the strength to stop trying to get more out of this life than was ever meant to give us, and instead to look to you, to look beyond this life, to look to you for our satisfaction and our joy. Well, we love you so much, and we thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.